to uh, Antioch West virtual for July the 3rd, 2022, uh, Independence Day weekend. I know some of you may be on vacation and you're watching, so thank you for watching. Some of you may be going out of town tomorrow, or maybe tomorrow's just a nice chill day. However you choose to celebrate tomorrow, I just want to say that hopefully all of you have a wonderful and safe holiday tomorrow, and thank you for being a part today. We don't have small groups today, so this is the only true organized activity that we have today uh, for Antioch West. Um, I, I woke up this morning, and I was a little... To be frank with you, I was a little draggy, so uh, the cobwebs were a little thick today in my brain. But uh, the moment I woke up, within just a few seconds of waking up, the Lord began to speak to me, began to talk to me about some things. And to be honest with you, and I know this sounds funny, but uh, when he began to talk to me about these things, uh, I kind of reminded him, uh, because I, uh, in case he didn't know, I began to remind him a little bit, you know, God, this is July 3rd weekend, right? This is July 4th weekend. Today's July the 3rd. You know, this is probably not the best thing to talk about today. We should probably wait to another time, as if I know best, right? Uh, but God was very specific. He would not let this uh, out of my spirit. He can, be, can continue to talk to me. My negotiations were futile, Um and so I'm, I, I, I'm going to let you know right now that uh, this is not a very good holiday um, message today. What I'm believing the Lord wants me to share with you today is not a very good holiday message. Uh, and uh, to be frank with you, I've never I've been terrible at matching message with holiday. And I don't say that to be funny. Uh, I say that to be funny because obviously my desire is to do whatever the Lord wants to do. However, I, I'm very well aware what today is. I'm very well aware today that most of you are probably distracted counting your fireworks instead of really listening to me. Our neighborhood was greeted last night with a wonderful firework display at about 1130. So uh, we're in full Independence Day swing here um, in in our neck of the woods. However, I specifically believe God has put something in my heart, my spirit today and uh, I'm, I'm, it's challenging. It's going to challenge all of us today. Um, and um, depending on how you hear this, it's going to be encouraging. It's going to be something that you're going to take and you're going to move forward with. Or for some of you, it's going to feel quite uh, heavy, hard. It's going to feel like, well, man, this is not what I've signed up for. And, and really it's going to come down to what ears are you listening to? Are you listening with, with, with your spiritual ears or are you listening with your natural ears? Uh, because if you're listening with your natural ears today, you're going to leave probably frustrated with condemnation, feeling like there's no hope. If you listen with your spiritual ears, you're going to leave today challenged but encouraged, full of hope. And it's really going to come down to how you hear today. I, I believe God is, faith, is, is, is kind I believe God is merciful. I believe God is just. I believe all these things. And I, I, I know that God is, 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 is all of those attributes and more. But I find that sometimes because of his love, because of his long suffering, because of his great patience towards us, that uh, in some ways we take that and maybe unintentionally, I'm not saying it's something we consciously do, but unintentionally we take his 
attributes of love, kindness, gentleness, patience, long-suffering. I think sometimes we interpret those as weakness. That God doesn't really mean what he says. That somehow he says these things, but if you don't really choose to do them, he's not really going to be that harsh about it because he's so much love and kindness and and, 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 and gentleness and he's so just. So I know, I know he says these things, but, you know, I just... God's not like that. And I think sometimes if we're not if we're not careful, we will take his attributes, interpret them as weakness. And I think if we do that, we're going to be shocked at the results that come from that. Because you see, do I believe that God is just? Absolutely. Do I believe God is kind and loving? Yes, absolutely. But I do believe that God gives some very specific things that are plain in his word that are not negotiable. They're not left up to your interpretation or what you feel or how you like, or maybe that's, well, that's just not really the thing I like. That's not really what I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I just don't really see it that way. No, they're, they're in there. They're plain enough. I know there's a lot of things in scripture that, to be frank with you, aren't quite as plain. There's There's a lot of stuff in scripture that, is 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 left up to interpretation and in reality in that interpretation you and I can see things quite differently in scripture and 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 to a degree there's that's okay because again I believe God speaks to us each one of us differently but there's some things in scripture that are not ambiguous there's some things in scripture that are not cloudy there's some things in scripture that are very straightforward have you ever taken a test of, of any kind of tests, you know, when you're in school, some of you probably were good test takers. Some of you probably had test anxiety. You struggle with tests. Some of you probably, you know, we probably have watching today all over the map. So when I say map, so when I say, you know, the word test, some of you probably go, oh yeah, I took tests. Other you, others of you, when I say tests, you, you almost pass out. Flashbacks start to come. You're, you have test uh, PTSD uh, from testing. But you know what's amazing about testing is that when I would take a test in school, the performance on that test was left up to me. Because most of the time, now on occasion, you would have a, you'd have maybe a few things on the test that were not quite articulated the same way as they were when the lesson was being spoken. But for the most part, especially when you're in your younger years of school, what was on the test was stuff that was already covered in class. If I was to give you today a book and I handed you a book and said, here, read this book. And then I come back later and I test you on the content of that book. What you your performance on that test would really be an indication of whether or not you really did read the book. Because you could not come to me and say to me, well, hey, listen, you didn't tell me this was going to be on the test because my words back to you would be, well, actually, I did. I told you whatever's in the book could be on the test. And if I gave you that book and I gave you a lifetime to study it, 
And I said, here, there's going to be a test. Now, I don't know when the test is coming, but there's going to be a test. So between now and then, you might want to study for this test because the answers of this uh, on this test are, are, are in this book. I'm not going to use one single question. I'm not going to phrase it any differently than how it's put in the book. However, anything in this book from the first page to the last page is fair game because I've already told you this is the book and I could test you. If you, if you knew that, how many of you would consider me fair, right? I'd be, I would consider that to be fair. If I said to you, look, here's the book, read it, we're going to test on it. Now, I may not tell you when the test is coming, but I'm going to, when, when I feel like you're prepared, I'm going to give you the test. Would that be unfair? Would you consider me unfair? Would you consider me to be some kind of harsh, demanding person? No, I've given you the book. I've told you that the test is going to be on the book. Now, let's just say, for example that you take that book and you read some and you skim some and you look through it and you get the gist of it. Yeah, you know that you, you get it. You get the gist of the story. You got it, okay? You know, you can, you can, you can tell me the story uh, in, in its entirety from cover to cover, cover in a very, you know, cliff note way. You can give me the very, the very um, simple version of the book. But when it came time to the test, I'm not going to ask you the basics of the book. I'm going to ask you about some specifics that are in the book. Because can you tell me the story of the book? Sure. But did you read the book? Because you understand that I'm not asking you what's the story of the book. I'm going to ask you, did you, did you read the book? Now, I may not ask you, well, on page 37, on the left column, what did it say? But I might ask specifically... You know, let's say it's a story about a guy and a girl and they fall in love. I might say to you, what did he say to the girl on the, in the coffee shop the third time they met? You see, because in your recounting of the story, you say, guy makes a girl, they fall in love, happily ever after. That's the gist of the story, right? Why, why read the book? I already know the story. But I'm going to ask you, what about, remember the third time they met in a coffee shop? He said something to her. What did he say? And those of you that read the book are going to go, oh, yeah, here's what he said. Here's how he said it. Here's what he was wearing when he said it. Here's what the atmosphere, the, as the, the, the author paints the picture of the setting, you'll be able to remember that because you read the book. For those of you that didn't read the book, you'll just say, I, I don't really know, but I know, I know he met her. I know, I know he found her. Well, Guess what? If that question's on the test, you got it wrong. Does that make me unfair? Does that make me harsh? Does that make me uncaring, unloving? Who would be to blame for that? Could you look at me and go, well, that's not fair. How am I supposed to know? How was I so Did you read the book or not? Did you read it? You see... When we say God is just, God is fair, God is kind, sometimes I think we forget that in the end, we will all be judged. I told you before, this is not a very good July 3rd message. Let's get this straight. There's a heaven and there's a hell. Whatever your personal ideologies 
are on the subject. The Bible's very clear that there's a heaven and there's a hell. And each one of us is going to spend eternity in one of those. Not just a few months, not just a few years. We're not just going to spend a little bit time there. We're going to spend eternity in one of these destinations. And it's going to come down to the way we answer the questions on the test. So because we have a God who is fair, because we have a God who's kind and just and merciful and long-suffering and patience, he goes, listen, I'm going to test you, but here's I'm going to test you. I'm going to give you the answers before I give you the test. I'm going to give you the answers. I'm going to give you every answer. Now, time out for some of you panic. I'm not expecting or suggesting we need to know the Bible from Genesis, Revelation, every word, every line. My kids were asking that the other day. He said, Dad, can someone know the entire entire Bible? And my thought to them was, no. It's too, the, the Bible, the depth of the Bible is just way too immense for one person to be able to know everything from Genesis to Revelation. So before you panic, I'm not suggesting, oh my goodness, I'll never be able to do that. I, I, no, it's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is not that you know the entire Bible, but do you know the answers to the test? Do you know the answers to the test? Because there's going to be a test. And when you get to that test-taking day and the questions are asked to you, are you going to be able to give the right answers because you already know the answers because you've already studied the test and he's already told you what the answer is going to be, but you go, I don't really know. I don't really know. I don't really know well, but I know you're 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 got a love. I mean, come on, look at your hands. You got nail scars. You got nail prints in your hands, and 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 you love me. How can you ever just judge me? And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. My love for you was to the point I gave you the answers before I ask you the questions. You see, on that day, I feel like a lot of it's going to be like I I, I heard the story. Um, I collect quotes and stories just because, first of all, I, for my own personal amusement. But every once in a while, I remember one, and I, I, I had this buried somewhere in my notes, and I remembered it today, and I couldn't remember, so I went back and read the story. But it was a story of two farmers, Farmer Pete and Farmer Dale. Farmer Pete and Farmer Dale were neighbors. They lived right next door to each other, and they had a friendly competition going on, and they competed over numerous things, you know, the best whoever had the you know the, the the biggest crop that year or they would they would compete over the you know who had the biggest pumpkin in the fall and who who could grow the biggest carrot and the biggest squash and farmer Pete always beat farmer Dale farmer Dale could never win and in the beginning it didn't really bother farmer Dale that he lost but after years of losing farmer Dale became increasingly frustrated at his continual losing to farmer Pete. And it didn't mean just Pete beat him every year. No matter what it was, Pete beat him. So finally, Farmer Dale got frustrated with losing and he decided, I want to win at something. So Farmer Dale had a prized horse and he challenged Farmer Pete to a race. He said, listen, Let's race our horses. We'll race them around both of our farms. And whichever horse can make it around 
both of the farms and come back to the fin to the start finish line first wins. And because Farmer Dale knew that if he could get his horse in a race, there was no course in the county that could beat his horse, even Pete's horse. And to make sure that he won, Farmer Dale went out and got himself a professional jockey. He's like, not only do I have the best horse, but I'm going to have the best rider. And when you put the best rider on the best horse, old Pete doesn't stand a chance. So Pete said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Let's, let's try it. So finally they arranged the time and they arranged the day. And, and, and Dale brought his horse and Pete brought his horse. And Dale's jockey got up on top of his horse. And Pete asked one of his buddies to ride his horse. And old Dale looked at it and laughed and go, man, you have no idea. My horse is about to just absolutely smoke. He's going to smoke you. Not only is my horse faster than yours, but I got a better jockey than you. So they arranged the distance of the course. They arranged to the course and they, they say, you're going to go down here, you're going to turn, you're going to around here, and whoever gets back here is going to win. And Dale just like, you know, this, this is just a matter of time before I win. So they got the two horses lined up. They got them settled, both, both riders in the saddle. And the sound was given to start the race. And boy, both horses took off with gusto. But it didn't take long before Dale's horse began to take the lead. And as the, horse, the race went on, Dale's horse was in a comfortable lead. And Dale was sitting back sort of laughing because he knew, finally, I've got Pete. I'm going to beat Pete. He's beat me all these years, but this time I have got him dead to rights. Finally, they got towards the end of the course and there was one final jump. And all Pete's horse had to do was jump cleanly and head towards the finish line. It's all done. And the horses are approaching the jump. Pete's, uh, Dale's horse is still in the lead. They jump over this obstacle and lo and behold, jockey goes flying, horse goes flying, crash down. Right after that, Pete's horse comes and jumps. The same thing. Rider goes flying, horse, and both rider and horses are jumbled up in a giant mess. Suddenly, after the commotion that was happening and both farmers couldn't see what was happening because it was kind of a little still far off, one rider emerged, got back on his horse and started charging towards the finish line and Dale looked up and realized it was his guy. I knew I hired the right guy. This is the guy. Man, look at that. He got, he fell off, but he got back on. And he came towards the finish line and he crossed over. And finally, Dale had won. And he's jumping up and down and he's laughing and he's just thrilled. And all of a sudden, he freezes. The smile goes away. The laughter stops. And Pete looks at him and says, Dale, what's the matter with you? What, what's the problem? You should be ecstatic. You won. Why are you not? Why are you so sad? Have you won? Why are you so sad? And Dale looked at Pete and said, Pete, it was the right jockey. But he got on the wrong horse. It was your horse he got on. You see, 
in the commotion, the jockey finished the race but didn't realize in the process he had switched horses. So he crossed the finish line, but on the wrong horse. So once again, Dale loses because the wrong horse had crossed the finish line. You see, silly story, I know. But I wonder what's that going to be like when we stand before the Lord and we realize we crossed the finish line thinking we have accomplished the goal, but to realize somewhere along the line we switched horses. And even though we crossed the finish line on a horse, we crossed the finish line on the wrong horse. You see, the thought is, well, how does I know if God, God's so kind and merciful and loving? You're right. Abs yes, he is. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so merciful that he continues along the way to say, hey, listen. Hey, there's a test coming. Are you prepared for the test? You know, when I was in school, and then I want to get, when I got to college, the professor would always let you know, hey, listen, you guys know that the midterm's coming up. You guys know the final's coming up. You might want to start studying. You might want to... My, my girls this year, they started a new school, and for the first time in their school, they had to take midterms and finals. And because it was the first time they've really done that, they weren't quite understanding what that was like. So midterms kind of crept up on them. And, and, and it was, it was, it was quite an eye open experience. So when it came time to later on the year and they got to their finals for the year, my wife and I started probably about six weeks felt like it. Maybe, maybe, maybe not quite six weeks, but possibly six weeks. We started telling them, Hey girls, listen, you guys have finals coming up. You guys have finals coming up. You want to start thinking about those finals. It's coming up. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And there we are the night before. I won't tell which one. Night before, stressing, cramming, trying to study as much as we can to get to that test. And my wife and I were like, listen, you, you could have done this. You knew the test was coming. The date of the test was set months ago. You could literally be sitting back chilling because you've studied to this point. But because you chose to wait now, you're under panic, you're under stress, you're under pressure because you know the test is coming. Now, granted, God doesn't tell you when the test is coming, but he tells you there's a test coming. But the question is, when you get to that test day, what answer are you going to give? What answer are you going to give? What's the answer going to be when asked the questions on the test? You see, because when you're taking a test, the professor's not really interested in what your opinion is. The answer, the, the professor or the teacher is more interested in what the material says the answer is. Your opinion really is not what they're looking for. That's one thing about math. That's quite interesting. Some of you may like math. Some of you may not like it. I'm, I'm sort of, it is what it is. I, don't, I can't say that I'm a math, a math uh, enthusiast, but I don't know if I despise it. I'm kind of, maybe I'm more in the middle. But you know about math, one thing is for sure is that math is not subjective. It's 
it's absolute. 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's not what you think 2 plus 2 equals. Well, 2 plus 2, I, you know, I kind of think it, maybe it equals 6. No, it's 4. It's 4. So on a, on a math on a math test, when you're giving the answers, it's very easy because it comes down to, did you get the answer or did you not get the answer? It's not really, well, you know, that kind of looks like the answer. And I know you, no, it's just, is that the answer or not? You see, God's not really interested, and I say this not to be harsh, but he's not really interested in your opinion. Well, God, I know you, what you said, but here's how I, I think it should be. No, he really wants to know this is my, this was the test. This is what I asked you, and I gave you the answer I was expecting. I already told you what I'm expecting the answer to be. You say, but, but wait, wait a minute, God, I, 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 I know what you thought, but here's what I, here's the answers I thought you should have. But God, I mean, I, let's look at what possibly could be on the test. It's really a simple test. It's actually not that hard. I remember I took it, I had to take this at uh, Anne Arundel Community College. You have to take this, I forgot what it's called. It's a it's a it's an introduction to computers or something like that. I don't remember what it's called. Do you remember what it's called, Kate? The computer course. It's like introduction to computers or whatever it was, something like that. And you have to take it. It's like a prerequisite that everyone has to take. And I remember these tests. They were like, it's seemingly. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not too far off. It was like 200 questions on a test, and it was all like little multiple choices. You had to fill out the little circle and and kind of fill it in. It was a lot. It was a lot. Of, I mean, it was just question after 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 question. And in reality, you know, it's a lot. But you know what? God, his test is really easy. Let's look at what possibly could be on his test. Let's go here for a second. And let's look at something, if I can, and pull up here in um, Scripture. Let's go to Matthew 25. And we're going to read just here, if we can, uh, let me switch my version over to the NKJV for a second. Let's go back down here because ultimately we know this, right? Uh, this is the story of the, of, the, of the men with the talents, right? The man with the one talent, two talent, five talents, right? And, and, and this is sort of this, this, this ultimate kind of parable of, of the final test. And it says here, uh, 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 Let's just jump in the middle one, verse 18. This is when he returns back, the, the master returns back to the, to the man after he's given him the talent. And verse 18 says, But he who had received one, one talent, went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me these five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides him. He said to them, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Two talents, same thing. Comes back, two talents, same story. But verse 24 says, Then he who received one talent came and said, Lord, 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 I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. I've given you back what's yours. I got, look, I, 
here's what I'm here's what I'm giving you. But the Lord answered and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I would reap where I'm not sown and gather where I'm not scattered the seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to those with ten talents. For everyone who has who has more will be given and who has abundance from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, we get to the end of that. It sounds very harsh. Kick this guy into this, into the, into the outer darkness with the weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the guy knew from the start what the test was going to be. When it got to the end of the test, he gave what he thought the answer should be. And the Lord of the house said, no, 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 no. That's not the answer I'm looking for. So what could the question be? I believe when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a, a, a plethora of questions. He's not going to go down the list of every single thing. Okay, let's question 34. Question 463. I believe it's actually going to be one question. What could that question be? Well, let's give a hint for a second. Acts chapter 13 says this. And I know if I'm going to Acts, some of you think you know where I'm going, but you don't know where I'm going. So just read along with me here for a moment. Let's go down to, um, oh, let's see. Hmm, yeah, let's try 16. This is a message Paul's giving in Pisidia. Paul stands up in verse 16 and says, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. Notice that. I, I, I love the way Paul said, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. Don't tell me God's not merciful and kind. He put up with their ways. He puts up with a lot with me. I don't know about you. I think that could be on my tombstone. God loved Joel and put up with some stuff. Put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed the seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed the land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years, 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king to whom he gave testimony. Now this is God giving testimony of David. And this is what God said about David. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. There it is right there. Oh, and we pray, God, I want to be a man after your own heart, God. Oh, God, I want to be a man after your own heart. That made me a man like David after your own heart. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? He gives the answer. I found a man right there in verse number 22, if you're reading along. Acts 13, verse 22. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, comma, who will do all my will. Notice that. 
This is not semantics. This is not stuttering. This is not adding words for effect. God says, David was a man after my own heart because he was willing to do my will. Uh, No, he didn't say that. He was willing to do my will. No, 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 he didn't say that. He said, David was a man after my own heart because he was willing to do all of my will. I've said this before and I'll say it again. A lot of us obey. But we have partial obedience. And partial obedience in God's mind equals disobedience. You see, a lot of us are going to get to that test that day and go, God, you know, I did I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. I obeyed. He goes, yeah, yeah. but you didn't obey me across the board. You, you did my will, but did you do all my will? Because here's the test. And you've heard me. We've used this before. My goodness, I think we've used this verse a thousand times in the last two years here in Antioch West. But we'll read it again. But just for context's sake, we're going to start a little, little higher up. Because this, I want you to, I want you to see the context of this verse. What's the context of it? Let's go to verse seven because I think it, it's positive to read this in its context. Matthew seven. Let's go back to verse seven. Ask and it will give you. Given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? Or if you, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Notice this is, this is called the Sermon on the Mount. This is one continuous thought. This is not a... Uh, this is not; these are not tweets from God, where He tweets one thing and He goes there and tweets another thing. This is one continual word that God's giving. This is this is the Sermon on the Mount, and He says, "Okay, if you ask, you're going to find; you seek, you're going to find; you knock, somebody open." And and here's the point: if you ask, I'm not going to give you. You know, if you're, if you if you're asking for for a bread, would you give him a stone? If you're if you're being evil, can give good gifts. How much more can your heavenly Father? This is where He's at right now. This is the the the, the vibe. Of the message. But then he changes here. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many that go by it. Because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few to find it. Notice that. Now it's 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 4th of July. Right? To tomorrow we celebrate the independence of America. But I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to make some people mad by saying this, but I, 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 I got to be honest with you. Maybe this is flesh talking, so, you know, Lord, I'll receive your grace. If this is me talking, you just close the ears of those that are hearing. But I'm so tired of believers trying to make the Bible out to be the American dream. Am I thankful I live in the U.S. of A? Absolutely. Would I want to live anywhere else? No. And all of you that get so bent out of shape because our country is going downhill, just go look at some other countries around the world. There's no perfect place. 
very thankful that we live here because we get to practice some very precious freedoms that we can do this this morning without any fear of repercussions. As long as I don't play copyrighted music, they won't shut me down at this point. <laughs> but it's a beautiful freedom that we enjoy here. I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity, no matter where I'm at, whether it's public, private, that I can lift up my hands to heaven and give God thanks. But you know what? I belong to a heavenly kingdom before I belong to an earthly kingdom. When I went down in that water, the name of Jesus was called over my, my life. And I was filled with the spirit of God. I switched teams. I was no longer an American Christian. But I was a, I was a child of God that lives in America. Oh, Jesus, give me strength, Father, right now. I'm not an American who's a child of God. I'm a child of God who lives in America. That old song we used to sing, we need to sing it again. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, don't you know? I have no friend like you. If heaven is not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. That's the song of a child of God. I'm, 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 I've been calm today, but just give me a second. I'm going to get a little passionate about this. That's the song of a child of God. I'm so tired of, 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 of um, Christians and believers who are Americans first and children of God second. And I say that because, no offense, I don't believe God cares one bit about giving us the American dream. Because in the American dream, it's health, prosperity, prestige, well, all these things that we're promised as an American dream. If you work hard enough. But he just said it right there in verse number 14. It blows our little American dream right out the water. He says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes walking with Jesus is difficult. But how can I complain? He already told me it was going to be. Well, I mean, it's so hard right now. This is difficult. You're right. It's kind of baked into the cake. Now we have peace. We have joy. We have hope. But we have those things because we need an antidote to the things that we're dealing with. You need peace because you're going to deal with things that are going to try to steal your peace. You need joy because you're going to deal with things that are not going to feel like joy. You need hope because if you don't, you're going to deal with hopelessness. He gives you these things as the antidote. It's kind of spoken right there. If you're not reading, go read it. I'm not making it up. Matthew 7 verse 14. And difficult is the way. But man, we spend so much of our time trying to promote the American dream. Trying to back the American dream. And we get so bent out of shape that if our government or anybody else tries to impede on that. You know what? I don't belong to this world. I'm a child of God. I'm living in another kingdom. 
I'm only here temporarily. And I'm here as long as my father tells me to be here. And the moment he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, God bless you. But I don't want to stay in the U.S. of A. one time, one minute longer than he wants me to be here. Now, maybe you don't think that way. Maybe to you, it's about retirement and getting to the end of your life and being able to retire and sit back and travel around and go from beaches to mountains and mountains to beaches and live your perfect retirement life with everybody else. Move to the villages in Florida and play, uh, uh, um, what's the new thing? It's, uh, what's it called? Uh, not, is it pickleball? What's the new thing that everybody's playing? Because that's the American life, man. That's what I've lived for, worked for. That's not what I signed up. I switch teams. That's not what the value of this team is. This world is not our home. But man, I'm telling you, we get so caught up in all this stuff. You know what? I vote for president every, every four years because it's my right and my duty as a citizen of this country to be a part of the democratic process. But I got to be honest with you. I know some of you are probably going to turn me off by making this statement. It doesn't matter to me who the president is because my God is in charge of all this. So you can get all bent out of shape when your guy's not in there and you can get all happy and jolly and giggly when your guy's in there. But I got to be honest with you, all of it's flawed because it's being led by men. I don't care what the man professes or what he said in the campaign speech or what he professes to be because it gets him votes. Bottom line, there is but one that we give our allegiance to, and that's Jesus Christ. And I say this because when you read this verse, and he says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Some of you are trying to create something that God's not interested in creating. He's not trying to give you the perfect life. Sorry, he's not trying to give you the Instagram life, that Facebook life. He's giving you life, life more abundantly, but this world is not our home. So sorry for the rabbit trail here. Let's get back on here because there is the gate and difficult of the way that leads to life and there are few find it. Then verse 15 says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now, here we go. Ready? Here's the test. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father. Now, what's the will of my father? We are already told Acts 13 gives us the full picture. The will of the father is all the will of the father, not just the Sunday morning will of the father, but to do the complete will of the father. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That word lawlessness is translated many different ways, but the, the root word there is iniquity, meaning those of you that run your own life or do your own will or do things like you think they should be done or you think you can give me part of it and I give you part. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 5, 
that basically simply this, we are not our own. First Corinthians 6 said we're bought with a price. Second Corinthians 5 says because the love of God controls us that we don't run our own life. This is one of the hardest things for believers to come to, the, to come to grips with. You're not in charge of your life. He is. And he's not interested in negotiating. Don't try to bring God to the arbitration table and say, okay, God, I'll give you this. Can I have this? God, I'll give you my spiritual world, but my natural world, can I have that? Okay, God, I'll give you my job, but I get to pick who I marry. Okay, God, fine. All right, well, listen. I'll give you my job and who I get to marry. Can I at least pick where I want to live? Okay, okay, all right, all right, fine. Last, here's my last offer. Job, yours. Marriage, yours. Where I live, yours. Can I at least pick out my own car? When you think God's like, you know what, fine, whatever. You know what, okay. You give me the big stuff, everything else, you can do whatever you want. Does that sound like the man after God's own heart in Acts 13 where he says, do the whole will? See, here's the test. He's giving you the test. He said, look, you practice lawlessness. And notice this. That's not the end of his thought. He continues. We often stop there. It keep going. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Now, these are the things I've told you. But whoever who hears my sayings and does them, I will like him into a wise man who built a house on the rock. And the rains descend, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears the sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. When the rains descend, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on this house, it fell and great was its fall. Notice that. You know what? You really can't tell who had a relationship with God in some ways. February of 2020. February 2020, we all look like we were all kind of together on the same, same journey. But March, I believe it's March 16th. I believe it was March 16th. I mean, let me look up for a second. Have the calendar there in front of me. Pardon me for one second. Let's look at that just to make sure. March 15th was the first Sunday. I believe March 15th was our first official COVID Sunday. March 15th, 2020, our official first COVID Sunday. When all of our lives was completely, our lives were completely changed. I said this numerous times and I'll say it again. COVID didn't cause anything. COVID simply revealed what was already there. And one of the things COVID revealed was those who really walk with Jesus and those who don't. And you know what? It really, it really, it really revealed that verse right there we just read. Because both men experienced the same circumstance. Look, same thing. Rain, flood, wind. Beating on the house. God is fair. Both experience similar things. But the outcome was completely different. Why? 
because one heard the words and did them. The others just heard the words. And what were the words? He just said it. Here are the words. Here are the sayings. And he ends it with the most important one. The most important one he says to the end. You who do your own thing, who run your own life, you do all the things you think that are more important. You cast out devils, you say, you do all wonderful things, but you run your own life. You depart from me. He ends with that, and then he comes and says, by the way, in case you think I'm fooling around, let me just remind you, here's going to be the difference. Those who take these words and do them are going are gonna to survive. And those who hear these words but don't do anything about it, great is going to be your fall. You see, that's one thing you'll never be able to say to God. God, I didn't know. He, you knew. It's right here. <laughs> you knew. I've often thought, you know, what if someone doesn't know the truth? I don't know if you can be in America and have that excuse anymore. I mean that. Because every person in America seemingly has one of these. It may not be the iPhone, but it's some phone. And from my understanding, every one of these phones, probably for free, I've got several on here that are free, you can get a free version of the Bible. So can we really say anymore we just didn't know? You say, well, I read the Bible and I just understand what I'm reading. Well, I believe there was several men in the Bible that had that and they asked God for help and God sent someone to help them. There were several occasions in Acts where they didn't understand what they were reading, but they were hungry and they asked God, help us. And God sent somebody along to help them. So can you really say, well, I just don't really, I didn't really know. You see, there's a test coming. I know today's July 3rd and more than likely most of you are thinking about hamburgers and hot dogs. But I really believe today the Lord's trying to speak to somebody today. A very loving, kindly, kind, gentle way. And he's using a holiday weekend, which in some ways is inconvenient. But I gotta be honest with you. Do you think God's gonna come back? You know, I read the story. There's, there's a saying, as I've seen on shirts, billboards. It says, Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. <laughs> it's a great shirt. I, I, those of you that followed our journey through COVID, you know, my wife and I were, we got through a street where we were wearing a bunch of shirts with different sayings. That's one shirt I've contemplated getting just because it's a great saying. Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. Bless you. Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. You see, there's, whether you pass from this life through death or you pass from this life through the rapture, Jesus is coming. And do you really think he's going to do it conveniently? My wife and I were talking about some things the other day, kind of just digging digging into the word together. And we read again the story of the five wise and five foolish virgins. All ten had the same opportunity but five were prepared and five weren't. This is not about fear. 
God's fair because he's already told us in his word what to expect. God's already given you fair warning. But you're like, well, God, it's holidays. I mean, don't I get to enjoy my holiday? Yeah, God, God is live, you know, living for God. Man, when God's in something, you've never taken a vacation like you've taken a Jesus vacation. You've never really, seriously. I've taken some vacations without Jesus. Not good. Come back stressed, broke, tired, frustrated. I've taken some Jesus vacations where you come back refreshed. My wife and I just recently, we went on a, we got a chance to get away a couple months ago, and it was a Jesus time, man. And if you looked at what we did, you'd probably go, well, that was kind of boring. Didn't really look like you guys did much. But it was a Jesus time. We came back from that trip refreshed. God was in it. We had peace. From a natural standpoint, it wasn't very productive. It was probably somewhat very boring. But Jesus was in it. So you say today, well, you know, it's a holiday weekend. I, I, I got to make sure I get all my stuff ready for tomorrow. But God in his love and mercy spoke this the very moment I woke up this morning. And I knew when he spoke this to me. My spirit said yes, but my flesh said, oh, God. Do you know it's a holiday weekend? But I gotta be honest with you. Some of you are not prepared for the test. If you took the test today, I don't know if you'd I don't know if you'd pass. But but I but I I'm watching you on Sunday morning. Great. They cast out devils and did wonderful things. But he departed. Because he didn't pass the test. I pray today in Jesus' name somehow that you haven't heard my words. And I've done this, I've been doing this now for a long time. Well over 20 years. And I understand when you speak things like this, as God gives them to you, you can speak to a room of 10 people and all 10 are going to hear something completely different. Some of you today have heard this and you're indifferent. Some of you have heard this today and maybe it's made you mad. Some of you have heard this today and you've argued with me the entire time. Well, I don't know if it's quite that way. I don't know. But I do believe today there were some of you that when you heard this, you didn't hear me. You didn't see me. But you heard the words of a loving father who is gently reminding you, challenging you today. A song, we sing it growing up. It's a great song that says, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Notice what it says. I don't surrender some. I don't surrender a portion, but I give all. 
Can you honestly sit there today? And I say this to myself. I have to check and challenge myself every day. Do I give all? This is not about perfection or performance. It's not about living some kind of pious life of religious do's and don'ts. This is about simply the desire to let God be in charge of your entire life. Not my will, but thine be done. Because there's a test coming, and the test is simply going to be this. Whose will did you follow? Well, God, I followed your will here. Yeah, but what about over there? But God, that's not really a big deal. I followed your will on the stuff that matters, the kingdom stuff, the spiritual stuff. I didn't think you really cared about the other stuff over here. David was a man after my home because he did all of my will. I've often thought, who gave David the inspiration to learn how to use a sling? Now, if you study that out and you know that the sling was a very common weapon, but for a young boy to become very proficient with a sling, who gave him the inspiration? Now, we don't know this, but wonder if one day that gentle, tender-hearted boy was singing praises to God. As he's singing his praises to God, the gentleness of God's voice just nudged David, hey, you might want to start using a sling. And I've often said that probably the first few times David used a sling, he had black eyes because swinging that thing around, he probably missed a few times because learning to use a sling was probably difficult. But he practiced and he practiced and he practiced and he practiced because God knew that one day there was a test coming called Goliath. And he needed to be prepared. And notice what David said when Saul put, gave him his armor. David said, I can't use this because I haven't proven it. I haven't proven it. I, I mean, I've, been, I've had a chance to prove that this works. You know where else I hear that? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be need not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. What is that good? perfect and acceptable will of God. Somewhere along the line, David decided through the nudging of the unction of God's voice to use a sling because there was a test coming. I'm sure there were some days he thought, man, the sling was just kind of a dumb thing to learn. But standing on that battlefield that day against the the giant of all giants didn't look kind of it didn't look stupid then. You see, there's a lot of things today that may look dumb to the world. It may look dumb to some that are carnally minded. Why are you doing this today? Why are you doing that? Why do you go to that extent? But there's a giant coming down the way when a lot of us are going to be standing there with a sling, and you're going to be standing there with some armor that doesn't work. Father. Only you know that in my flesh I had no desire to speak these things, but God, you had spoke them so strongly to me in my spirit today. By your grace today, I've tried to deliver this as you have given it to me. I've not tried to add to or take from. 
So, Father, I speak today that the words you have spoken here today would find lodging in hearts and minds and the gentle conviction, the power of your conviction would move upon the hearts of those that are listening today. God, you're so gentle, you're so kind, you're so long-suffering. You give us so many opportunities along the way to find you, to repent, to correct. So sometimes, God, but on our stubbornness, our pride, our flesh, our carnality, we continue to resist over and over again. So, Father, today I pray in Jesus' name that those who have listened today with their spiritual ears would find hope in you, would find peace in you, would find direction. Those today that have listened with maybe their own pride, maybe they're listening with the ears of carnality that are frustrated, that are that are tuning this out because they just don't like what it says or just don't like the fact they're messing with their life. I pray, God, that somehow, some way, you would penetrate their heart, their life. God, you have so many ways to get our attention. You try so many ways to get our attention. I pray today in Jesus' name, Lord, by your grace, that you would continue to speak. And Lord, even as we go about our day, we lay our head down on our pillow and tonight that these words that are spoken would just play in our mind. That we, be, we, we would become in alignment with you to do your will. In Jesus' name. I'm encouraging some of you for a moment, if you would, when we turn this off, it'd be easy for you just to go about your day and kind of get lost in doing what you do. But Maybe I encourage you for a second when we turn this off just to take a moment and talk to Jesus. It's only 1020. You've got a long day ahead of you. You still have plenty of time to do what you need to get accomplished today. But maybe for the first, maybe for a few minutes today when you turn this off, instead of rushing off to do something else, maybe you could just take a moment and just talk to Jesus in your own way. If it really matters to you, would you take a moment and talk to Jesus and let him talk back to you and show you, lead you and guide you in Jesus' name.